I'm all in on Ventura this week, Kyle. It's DFS, uh, maybe a top 10 bet out there. I'm talking core player um, in all lineups. Swipe Right Sports, it is your sports pod hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock. That was my, that opening clip was my little Christopher Ventura hot take from a few weeks back that I was getting on that train. And, um, you know, he missed the cut, of course, that week at the 3M Open. <laughs> but uh, listen, boys and girls, you got to stick to it. Stick to your guns. And, um, Stay stubborn and staunch in your opinions, and eventually they'll all become true, especially if you just keep saying them over and over again, which I did last week, in which he cracked his first top 10 of his career on the PGA Tour, and I had a pretty solid week for DFS to start the new season, Uh, and that's what this is. It is episode 39 here. And we are talking U.S. Open on DraftKings. I'm going to bring in Kyle Robert, as I normally do. And we're going to talk through our favorite targets. And I may have a little uh, Ventura-ish pick here this week. So uh, stay tuned for it. Let's get into it now. All right, it is U.S. Open week. I am joined, as I have been for quite some time on golf, with Kyle Robert. Kyle, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, Bobby. Um, this golf season has been incredibly bizarre, uh, obviously with the pandemic and whatnot. But uh, somehow in the matter of three weeks, we went from the FedEx Cup playoff to swing season to a major. Yeah, we're in the new season now. And it's, it's, uh, it, the points just started up again last week. Yeah, yeah. The Safeway was the swing season, the one tournament. Which uh, the Safeway being the one swing season tournament, you know, effectively is is hilarious to me and 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 so fitting. It is. It, it was funny to see it start over, and we're going to get more of it. Um, yeah. In, in the months to come, but it is going to be interesting um, having uh, six majors in the mm-hmm. 2020 2021 season, and. Uh, before we do get into some of these uh, wing foot U.S. Open, DFS, I just want to say that uh, I was looking at your waiver wire pickups mm-hmm. today on fakepigskin.com. Sure. And I, and I wanted to let you know that before the game last night, on a couple of my teams, I had an empty slot because of IR for Debo Samuel. And just for a speculative reason, I just went, you know what? I like Benny Snell. Uh, I liked him in college. I, he, I've been reading really good things about him in training camp, so I'm just going to stash him. Maybe something happens to Connor. Who knows? And uh, I woke up this morning, and I felt, I think this is what a hero feels like. I mean, this is... Let, let me tell you, Bobby, you you need that, that – that is expert-level fantasy football play right there. The <laughs> idea of – you finding an extra bench spot, whether that's somebody that you might not like, oh, I held on to a second quarterback because I thought my guy was going to be out, or I have a guy in IR, I can f- finagle my roster. 
picking up the Benny Snells and the Chase Edmonds and the Alexander Madisons and Latavius Murrays before the waiver wire run and just adding them to your team is yeah. is one of the smartest things you can do, especially when it's a primetime game like that. Because mm-hmm. worst, worst case scenario, you're cutting them for your waiver wire pickups. Best case scenario, you just picked up an RB1 and a league winner in, in Benny Snell, who I think... Like le- legit, like the way the way the Steelers run, eighty oh, percent of yeah. the touches. Like you, if if Connor misses any sort of significant time, you have a top twelve running, top fifteen running backs, um, for free. For free. Yeah, so, and, he, and he he looked he looked good too. Yeah, he looked really good, uh, especially with Benny Snell looking bad, or uh, not Benny Snell, uh, James Connor looking bad. Uh, you know, he was able to step in. Obviously, the, the passing game kind of got opened up a little bit more. But, uh, no, he was very, incredibly effective. Uh, very, you know, did, wasn't hesitant at all. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you, you played that, like, if there was a blueprint for how to do it, um, you you followed it to a T, and, and that's why you were going to be winning leagues this year. It made me feel a lot better after watching my Cam Akers all in um, – all in on all my chips on him this year on yeah. Sunday night, watching Malcolm Brown clearly outperform him. So, hey, um, between that and my Christopher Ventura, <laughs> I know this is going to continue and we're just going to keep the good times going. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about winged foot. Mm-hmm. It is the host of the 120th U S open this week. It is the sixth time it will be, hosting AUS Open. The last time was 2006, which was a Phil Mickelson monumental meltdown. Um, the only player, Kyle, they have, they have had, like I said, yeah, this will be the sixth time. In the previous five, there has been one player to finish all four rounds under par, and it was Fuzzy Zoller at 419.84. Now, um, his, someone tied him as well, but I think it was Greg Norman, I think. But anyway, he, he fired like a 75 in the playoff. So actually, technically was not under par. So the one player, so that's how tough this course is. The average round in 06 was a 75. I think they only had something like 12 rounds the entire event under par. So um, as far as by, by any standards across the world, this is one of the hardest tests in golf, period. Yep. Yep, this is going to be, I mean, in the U.S. Opens in general, like we, I, I was uh, front and center last year to see Gary take home the uh, the the, um, the victory last year, which was very cool. Um, obviously at Pebble Beach, a little bit easier of a course. This is, you know, Dustin Johnson wrangling with Chambers Bay. This is, um, you know, this is, if you like to watch the, the best in the world play like we do, this is your course. <laughs> this is your tournament. This is this is when you should be locked in for four days. Yeah, and I think Tiger today was saying that it was the hardest course he's played other than, I think, Oakmont and Carnoustie were the other ones to name. So, yeah. um, and as far as what makes it really difficult, everything that you'll read, because um, there is there is trees, they don't completely come into play. Obviously, the rough's going to be grown out a lot. And you're not mm. going to be able to, to miss fairways, which is... Mostly any major conditions, but what it is here more than anything is the greens, how fast they are, and the slopes. Um, a lot of people, Jack Nicholas, Colin Montgomery, said it's the hardest greens they've ever played on. So, um, and I think you're going to be seeing a lot of weird stuff 
as far as guys like putting way off the green, um, guys, a lot of, a lot of imagination, if you will, uh, around sure. those greens. So I think that's, that's going to kind of be, of course you want to stay clean tee to green, but then I think you want to avoid melting down a lot on the greens. I think that's where things are going to be kind of, you know, made or, or kind of putting guys out of contention or maybe missing the cut altogether. Yeah. And I, I will say, you know, week to week, we emphasize ball striking. And I think it's even more so important here because what mitigates really hard greens more than anything, Kyle? Uh, putting yourself in position to score. Yeah, putting yourself a good approach shot close to the hole so that so you're not left with crazy, sloped, super fast uh, greens and being on the right side of the hole yeah. uh, below it. So I think, I think even more so approach and ball striking is going to be uh, more of an emphasis for me than anything. Uh, what do you say? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, approach around the green play, guys that can chip well. Uh, put yourself, you know, a three-foot putt below the hole where you want to be, not above the hole where you're putting downhill, that kind of stuff. I also, like, normally I'm not a huge fan of, of guys that can't putt at all. Um, but this week I'm not worried about that, to be honest. I feel like the guys that traditionally struggle... Um, and still are able to perform might actually do better here. Um, if I'm usually a guy that sinks all my putts and I get really frustrated because, you know, putts that I normally make with, with ease are, uh, just aren't going. Um, it may trickle over into other parts of my game. Where if I'm just a garbage putter and I, I know I'm a garbage putter and I'm used to being a garbage putter, uh, I'm, I'm not going to stress and it's, it shouldn't affect my approach game. It shouldn't affect my off the tee game. Uh, and hopefully uh, it allows me to score. So uh, I'm a little more open on my player pool this week. I agree with that too. I agree with like the, just because you're a bad putter, I almost think that I certainly wouldn't hold that against anyone. I may even think, you know what? I, I even like it more because these are going to be so, these are going to be in position on greens where they're so awkward for everybody that they're just so far outside what they see week to week. So I agree with that. Um, and how about we talk some targets now in DK? Let's do it. So I usually put together some groups and say, hey, which one do you like? I didn't do that this week because I just wanted to kind of hone in on just certain ranges, approaches, and maybe things you're trying to avoid. So let's just – let me ask you, 6K – is there anyone in there that you're insisting on playing any building block pieces that you really are appealing or you want to avoid this range altogether? So I guess, and I'll, and I'm curious to see where your head's at this week. It depends on how, how aggressive I get at the top Yeah. in the past, having the winner at a tournament like this, where there's not going to be a lot of birdies and not a lot of scoring chances, having the winner, having guys in that top five, six, seven, whatever it happens to be, getting that finishing position points is going to be so pivotal that yeah. part of me is like, give me some garbage at the bottom if it means I can have, you know, two or maybe even three guys, you know, at or near the top. Yeah. Uh, now there is going to, obviously it's a major, obviously there's going to be a ton of value in that kind of high, low, high sevens, low eights, and then even low nines to some extent. Um, so it, it could get really easy to get in there. But I, I guess for you is John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson. Like, what are you doing with these guys before diving into kind of how you're going to build the rest of your lineups? You know, I, I think my usual approach, as it was in the PGA, is I'm out. 
I'm out on these guys. Um, and I think it, it did work out in the PGA where Colin Morikawa ended up being the winner anyway. Yeah. So um, you kind of said you were saved there if you took that approach and focused more on the 95 or just the 9K range. And I, I feel like those guys, they still have a, a similar upside to the five-figure guys. And, I, you know, again, we need six players here, right? We don't need yep. one. We need right. six. So I, I'm always, especially in these tournaments, um, I am very apt to avoiding the five-figures and starting with, I mean, Kyle, you can start with four guys in the 9K range if you really yeah. want to. You can. So, and and, I, and there, these are some really good names. So I, I think that it will tend to be my approach always in the majors, as opposed to last week, uh, where I did go a lot of Brendan Steele, unfortunately went a lot of Shane Lowry as well. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like um, no five figures for me this week in DK. Pro- probably not unless I'm totally convinced that JT is going to win or one of those guys. What, what so, do you do? So uh, I think I'm the opposite of you. I think I'm going to find myself in that five-figure range. Um, So Dustin Johnson's a guy in, uh, you know, we'll talk Bryson here in a second, who's obviously a guy I tend to trend towards, and he's right on the cusp of that five figures. Um, Those two guys in general, like, terrify me. Like, I feel like they could go out and shoot five under. I feel like they could go out and shoot 15 over. And, like, they have the widest ranges of outcomes. So when we're looking at Dustin Johnson being the most expensive player, if he goes out and laps the field and keeps the playoff run going and just is amazing, then you're going to need to have him in your lineup. But I'm 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 not going to be able to get there. Like the the risk and uh, potential reward is it, it doesn't weigh out for me. Um, so I I can't go there. John Rahm is incredibly interesting. I think has just as good if not better shot at winning this tournament than Dustin Johnson. And I'm saving 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I go that route, that means I have to, to dip below 7K. And and I'm not feeling great about that. So is that a big part of your strategy in terms of why you're avoiding that range? Just so you don't have to dip into that, that like high sixes even? I, I'm not necessarily even avoiding it because what I'm doing is, like I said, I'm like stacking my lineups with probably four 9k guys or let's say three and like two high eights so then i ended up having to kind of dig into this 6k range that's where i ended up and thought mm-hmm. all right who's appealing to me who, who who jumps out is there is there a case i can make for for a few of these guys and i want to talk a, a little about uh a few of these guys and so okay i i don't think if you're looking at this range i think people should not be sleeping on a couple of corn fairy tour guys the obvious one is Will Zalatoris. Uh, he's a top player ranked on the Corn Ferry Tour that just finished their season. He's going to be he's going to be in swing season here soon for us in DK. So even if you're not playing him, I think someone to monitor for here um, and beyond. He was first in ball striking as well on that tour, and just oh, just in general playing really great all season long. The other one is Brandon Wu. In just six events, he earned enough points to finish fifth on the Corn Ferry Tour. Was also 15th in ball striking. And uh, sixth in birdies per round. So a uh, guy just played really well recently. Um, it's been been awesome on that tour. And I know this is like their first uh, major for both these guys. So I, th- I think Zalatoris played in it maybe a couple of years ago. But I don't know if that was technically a, he was a pro yet. 
So um, I think those are guys that you should not be sleeping on here. And if you're digging this range, I think have a good case. Um, and the other one, too, that I, I'm going to want to get your thoughts on a little bit is I think Mackenzie Hughes has clearly been one of the guys all this past season who ended up making his first tour championship, definitely um, kind of ascending in his own career as one of the top players. He, not one of the top players, but um, getting to be one of like the top 50 players on tour, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just he just made his first cut in the major at the PGA at T58. And um, yeah, I, I just think there's a decent case for him. He He's all the way up to 56 in the world now. So, um, and he's a very good putter as well. Finished eighth in strokes game putting. What do you think about that group right there as far as 6K range uh, guys go? So I will tell you that uh, there's been a lot of line movement on Mackenzie Hughes. So that that's a, a good sign in general in terms of there's been a lot of money coming in on him in the betting market. Uh, obviously, that doesn't always correlate to DK, but I if I see that people are optimistic about him and I can see where he's priced at, um, he's definitely somebody that we've seen pop in, in better field events. I'm a little mm-hmm. nervous. Of the guys you mentioned, uh, uh, he would definitely be my favorite option. I, I can't get to the Corn Ferry guys, and I'm hoping I don't have to. Maybe, <laughs> may, maybe in GPPs they'll be a difference maker, um, but I just I, this this court tournament is going to be tough, and they're going to be going up against the best in the world, um, and and they're going to be putting some serious pressure on them. And I, I just I don't know if I can if I can quite get there. Well, just for a reference, um, so like Scotty Scheffler was in the U.S. Open last year. He missed the cut as the top uh, Corn Ferry guy, and a couple years ago, I can't think of what the course's name was. It was the one where uh, Fleetwood had a really big Sunday. It was the U.S. Open. The course was supposedly it was a wreck by Sunday, and everyone was bitching about it. Um, anyway, point is, for reference, Dylan Meyer, I think, was still an amateur. He had just turned pro. It might have been his first pro event, and he was a T20 at the U.S. Open. So. It, you know, there's there's examples where it can happen, examples where obviously it doesn't happen. I just um, I think these are two really good young players. They're playing awesome and should be should be really confident. So I th- those are the guys that kind of jumped out to me, I guess, when I was digging. Also, maybe like a, a Lanto Griffin. Lanto is always somebody I get to, especially in these tournaments uh, where he is significantly underpriced compared to some of the swing season stuff. Um, you know, I, I, he, he's definitely a guy that, that shows up in my model. Uh, I, the thing I worry about Lonto is things just get ugly and he like basically gets you negative points and kills any chance you have it. Um, you know, especially like, like, I, I don't know. I almost feel like some of the guys I'd almost rather have them not make the weekend if they're going to just like blow up on Saturday. Then, yeah. <laughs> then get through and then just be awful. Uh, I have two names for you. I want to see where you're at. This is right below 7K. Corey Connors yep. and, Jason, and Jason Kokrak. Yeah, so uh, both great ball strikers. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I'm always looking for. Uh, Connors finished ranked one uh, just this past season when the final standings were there. Kokrak was 36. So I'm always going to uh, lean in the ball striking direction. That's always going to jump out a little bit. 
a little odd that I say that when I see Mackenzie Hughes ranked 178 last season. <laughs> um, but I don't know. For some reason, he's just he's finishing tournaments really well. Uh, so, yeah, um, no, I, I like I like those names. I always gravitate towards those names as well. Uh, and I, I think they're good candidates if, if you if you're shopping out here for for sure. Yeah, Kokrak is last three tournaments. 8.6, 6.5, 7.3. Those are all strokes gained total. Uh, I do see that at the Workday Charity Open, which was the last, you know, uh, that tournament was incredibly difficult. Uh, lost 7.6. Obviously a lot on the green. Um, 4.7 there. But, you know, if he, he, he's been consistently hitting the ball well since St. Jude, basically. Um, you know, off the tee game has kind of been a little bit all over the place. But, like, I... <laughs> I guess for you, is it like obviously this is a long course, right? Seventy four hundred plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to make it like I like the idea of a, of a excellent ball striker who's going to crush the ball off the tee, but I also need them to be in their fairway. So I don't mind losing a little bit on the tee if it means they're consistently splitting fairways and consistently putting themselves in, a, in an opportunity to get the ball close to the hole. One hundred percent agree. Um, I agree with all that. Um, yeah, it's just it's just ball striking. The first the first thing you have to do is just get to the green and not put yourself in some crazy position. Because if you're missing fairways here, there's no way you're saving par. There's it's yeah. not it's not going to happen. But this is going to be like um, probably the closest thing we've seen to it is maybe the Memorial with Jack this past season. Um, mm-hmm. That was um, that was a shit show over especially over the weekend. When the course uh, really got um, dried up, it was it yeah. was insane. Yeah, the second round right at this at that term at that course, right? Because the yes. first weekend was like a birdie fest, and then the second weekend, Jack's like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not standing for this. It made it way harder. Yeah, not not for my turn, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, one more guy, Kyle, sure. in this Hit sixes me. that I I talked myself into today, and I'm going to attempt to talk you and anyone else into right now. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give you like the the resume without the name first. Okay, okay give it to me. European Tour player, last mm. four events, finished 19th, three, eight, eight. Scottish, 25 year old stud, ball striking on the European Tour. I'm sorry. Um, his driving accuracy is ranked third. His driving distance 39th. His GER ranking seventh. Second major start. Would you care to venture a guess who this is? I'm trying to see if I could pull it out of <laughs> thin air. Uh, the numbers are definitely appealing. The The fact that it's his second major is definitely appealing because that kind of knocks... That first, first time around is always a little concerning. Um, I, I don't know. Lay it on me. Who are we talking about? Connor... Sign. It's his third year on the European Tour. He just got his first win last year. Uh, just kind of an up-and-coming player. Playing great. His stats are way up this season. Um, I talked myself into it earlier today. And I feel pretty good. I feel pretty. I feel like this is like my Christopher Ventura of yeah. the, the U.S. Open. So and I fear it may go like Christopher Ventura did the first couple times you tried to use him. Yeah, well, I just got to keep saying it. And then obviously, <laughs> obviously, I turned to a genius at some point. Yeah. Speak it into existence, Bobby. That's right. Um, okay, well, that that was the resume. I was 
I, what happened was I was built in a certain lineup that I'll get to later, and I had I had to actually look at these guys and go like, okay, Robert McIntyre. I was kind of like, you know, do I want him? And then I, I started digging in on this guy, and I was like, you know what? That's uh, that's all I need to know. So, yeah, that's one guy I think I may uh, take a shot with this week in some lineups. So that's kind of all I got for sixes. Anything for yep. you? Yep, I'm I'm happy to venture out of this range. Like Kevin Na is there, and he's been so bad that I don't I'm not, I'm not sure I'm ready to dip my toe in the water. But I've also seen him go toe to toe with the best of the world and perform. And uh, a guy that when he's on, his long irons are are great. He's putting the ball where he wants it and um, can putt well enough to to win. I I, I don't like I said I I don't think I can get there this week. Uh, but it is a name, especially at the price where he is, um, that kind of piqued my interest just slightly. Okay. Um, sevens, then. Lay it on me. Some guy Brant, sevens. Brant Snedeker. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Before, that wouldn't be for form, would it? Uh, it's just, like, I... He's one of the guys that I was talking about in terms of, like, I, I don't love him off the tee obviously but can hit it well enough uh i'm you know in in terms of i so i put my model in with poa with difficult uh scoring relative to par with 7400 plus uh number one in strokes gained total number one in strokes gained uh 13th tee to green um does a lot on the putting surface which is kind of something that i don't really want to account for too much in terms of like, uh, you know, this is going to be incredibly tough and like you might not putt well. So you want to make sure you're doing the other things. But the fact that he's one or two in like five of the categories um, garnered my interest, especially at 7,000. Um, Danny Willett is, is is a similar guy, but I just like he's trash off the tee and his recent form hasn't been good enough. Where I'm even considering him, but I feel like length might be an issue for him this week. Yeah, yeah, and and there's and that's few guys like that, right? But if they're if like, like I said, if they're if they're able to hit it well enough off the tee, where they can kind of use their long irons and kind of make it work, uh, especially in a tournament where like even par minus one one over, like these are tournaments that that have gone weird, where guys like Danny Willett and Brant Snedeker and, and, you know, guys like that have, have won tournaments like this. Okay. Snedeker. Um, I don't know if I can get in that tray with you. Uh, I don't, I, I think I, I, I think I talked about him a lot for Wyndham and it, it's yeah. just, I think, did he miss the cut there? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. It's tough. What, um, a, what, a, what about Bubba? Can you, can you get on board with Bubba? No, no. Um, <laughs> no, I, so look, I have, I, I kind of slobbered all over Stenson for the PGA, and uh-huh. he missed the cut by, uh-huh. I think, I think a stroke. Um, and I'm going to run him back here as mm. kind of one of my favorite building block pieces. Um, I'll repeat everything I said. He was the strokes gained approach leader in 2019. He's always been one of the best approach players in the game. Um, his last two U.S. Opens were top 10s overall he is 9 of 13 in his career in U.S. Opens. In fact, 8 of his last 10 in cuts made. In fact, Kyle, when he's made a cut in the U.S. Open, his worst finish ever 
T29. So I also want to mention he only missed back-to-back cuts in the same calendar year in a major twice in his career. This is a guy who's been playing four majors a year since 2006. You do the math there, pretty good odds. Um, yeah, and just, I, I like, I maybe good or bad, I tend to gravitate also towards guys in majors who I believe are just capable of mentally holding up in these events mm-hmm. and have that totally. proven track record of doing it. Um, and I, I just think this is going to be such a different test and different kind of game where it's not going to be, you know, like Wyndham or, you know, Travelers or a lot of these tournaments that we've been seeing since the restart that are just straight up 25 under, you know, wins yeah. the tournament. This is going to be a grind. So uh, I just kind of rattled off Stenson's USO track record. It is excellent. It's up there with the best of them. And uh, at the price, that price floor combo, one of my favorites of the field. And I have another one of those. But would you like to respond to that? Uh, good luck to you, sir. I hope it works <laughs> out. Uh, like like you and Brant Seneker, I just I can't get there. Okay, okay, I, I understand. I understand. We can't we can't always be the same. Um, what about a guy named Lee Westwood? He is the former. He's the former um, best player to never win a major. He, he held that belt forever. Yeah. Um, I think Kucher might have taken it from him. Not sure. But um, he's had a bit of a renaissance here this year. He's third currently in the race to Dubai. He was playing really well um, heading into the shutdown. Hasn't played much uh, since then. But um, his putting's really turned around this year. His USO track record is, let's see here, 13 of 16 overall. In fact... Kyle, 12 of his last 13 in cuts made, and six of those finishes top 25s. Again, he's just a veteran. He's been there before a million times, played in a ton of these tournaments, and um, overall proven as far as just making cuts and grinding it out, uh, he's up there with the best of them. Any uh, interest in Mr. Westwood? No, no. I'm looking, <laughs> at my, I'm looking at my model right now over the last 36 rounds. Um, the only one that is, is not bright red uh, is off the tee and putting. Everything else, he is between uh, 70, high 70s and 100. So, no, I'm, I'm all set on Mr. Westwood. Uh, like you mentioned, his career resurgence has been happening. Um, you know, you, you said you like to target guys who have been there and who are mentally ready uh, for for a, a tournament like this, but then you keep gravitating towards corn fairy and euro euro guys, and like that that's a big part of what holds me off on them. So I, I mean, I guess with Westwood it's different, uh, but like I, don't, I, well, just don't listen to what I say. Just you know, do oh yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> hear what Bobby says. Do the opposite, you'll be great. Yeah. No, I, I like I like the younger guys for certain reasons. I like the older guys for certain reasons. Yeah. You know. I, um, and it's well, good to have have a little balance, mix 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 and match, and, and pick your guys. But yeah, I Lee Lee Westwood like uh, I've seen him pop in in randos tournaments like in, in you know random things, and all of a sudden he's in the mix. But uh, I can't I can't get there this week. Okay, as far as these uh, wily veterans that I, I keep going back to, um, Kucher, Lefty, Stenson, or Westwood. Man, um, well, it's not Westwood. 
and it's Kucher. not Phil. It's probably Kucher by process of elimination. He feels like a guy that I'm happy to put in my lineup. I don't know that he's going to win. I don't even know if he'll get a top 10. But I, know, I, I, I feel comfortable enough that he won't absolutely derail my lineups um, and, and be just uh, get through, get a couple birdies, finish in that 17 to 25 range, get me a few points, um, and not murder my lineups. Yeah, he's, Kuch, Kuchar's made nine of his last 10 cuts in the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. Now, only one of those has been a top 10, but eight of them have been inside the top 30. So he may not have a ton of high finishes, but he's consistently getting to the weekend and hopefully getting more pars um, and not triple bogeys like yeah. a lot of guys will over this course. So, um, yeah, no, I I, I hear you. Um, all right, so Kucher there. What else, anything else in the 7K that jumps out to me? You talked about Bubba. Is he something, or would you rather go Bubba I mean, than all those guys? But Bubba, in terms of the mo- – I, I don't know that I could play him. But in terms of the stats, maybe I should stop using my brain and let the let the models do the work for me because when I use my brain, it, it tends to derail me. Uh, but, yeah, no, the he's number one in, in, in tee to green, number one in ball striking, number one off the tee, third in approach. Uh, putting is terrible, but everyone's putting is going to be terrible. So that may be mitigated this week, and maybe I should just roll with him, um, especially when you're talking sub-7,500. Like, yeah. I, I don't I don't know if I'm going to get there eventually, but um, the numbers tell me that. The numbers have him above Rory, above DJ, above your boy Gary Woodland. Uh, Jerry, Jason Kokrak is is my t- – is, uh, what is he, five? So that's that gives you an example of kind of what my model's looking at. Uh, Gary Woodland, are we are we going back-to-back for your boy Gary? I – someone's interesting, I, I think, about Gary, uh, and I was kind of looking at him today, and – I did notice it's just kind of something that, that struck me a little bit as far as his track record in U.S. Opens. Obviously, won last year, mm-hmm. um, but heading into that, I think he had he had eight starts, and his best finish was a T23. The rest were either cut or T36 or lower. And but now, my point in saying this is he was playing his best golf of his career heading into last year. So again, it was just a guy who was playing really well. Um, It it had nothing to do with necessarily his major track record or U S open track record. Um, He didn't really have a big uh, performance to speak of in a major or especially that event. And he popped up at one because he was playing some of his best golf. And I think, I think Kyle, if I had to pick a guy who maybe had a similar Similar profile coming into this year of playing really some of his best golf. Currently, since the restart, probably play one, definitely a top 5, 10 player since we've uh, relaunched the tour here. And doesn't have any, has an okay record in the U.S. Open. How about Daniel Berger as a potential I love player? it. I love it. I He is playing some incredible golf. Uh, has gone toe-to-toe. You know, coming out of the restart tournaments that didn't normally have fields uh that had a a ton of studs and a ton of notable names uh they were all in there and daniel berger was top five top five win like he was he was no no pressure got to him uh i i love daniel berger this week he's absolutely someone i can get on board with yeah so that was one guy i just kind of thought about with "Eh, you know 
I'm looking at kind of a Woodland type profile who won it last mm-hmm. year. I think she would be my my pick. But um, as far as Gary goes, uh, maybe not playing as well as he was when he won last year, certainly. But uh, I, I think he's been uh, consistently a, a pretty solid floor still this year. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think I have other places that I'm shopping that we're going to get to. Sure. But uh, but yeah, uh, G- Gary, I don't have anything terrible to say about. What about a guy? who's a really great putter and generally can pop up in some crazy venues and putt really well, like a Jordan Spieth. Nope, absolutely <laughs> not. There is no chance I am trusting that guy. What do we talk about from the jump? You have to be in the fairway. You have to put yourself in position. That dude is so reckless off the tee. There is <laughs> zero opportunity for him to... like. He's going to make some cool shots that are going to make Sports Center and going to be fun to watch on PGA Tour Live and all that good stuff. Uh, he's not making the weekend. He is going to struggle mightily. Um, I might end up with egg on my face for this one, but there is absolutely zero chance that I would play Jordan Spieth, look at betting him or anything. <laughs> Ownership percentage over under 10%. I mean, it's Jordan Spieth. <laughs> it's a major, so over, but... Uh, <laughs> Not in your life. <laughs> no, no, not, nope, not doing it. Not doing it one bit. Uh, Bobby, there's, can we talk about like that low 8K to high, high 7K range? Because there's, like, obviously, if you want to just make a lineup from that range, you can absolutely do that. Mm-hmm. But there's a ton of guys in that range Paul Casey, Harris English, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Victor Hovland, Tyrrell Hatton. Ricky Fowler. I mean, we can go up to Rose if you want, but then we're already getting up into 85s, and, and we'll obviously talk Patrick Reed and Tiger and all them. But if we say Hatton, Hovland, Fitzpatrick, uh, Harris English, Paul Casey, like how incredibly compelling is that range? Great. My favorite pick in a guy who is uh, a core player for me this week is Tyrrell Hatton. Love um, it. He's He's been, again, he broke through with his win earlier before the shutdown, Arnold Palmer. A guy yes, kind sir. of similar, similar kind of to Berger in a way where he's playing his best golf of his career. Uh, statistically, he's probably one of the more all-around elite um, members as far as ball striking, strokes against approach, strokes against putting, um, just all-around really sharp. And again, that tee to green game that we love. So uh, Hatton's my number one with a bullet out of the guys you mentioned. Is there someone else out of that group that you absolutely are going to die on the hill? Um, I like Victor Hovland a lot this week. Uh, I do worry his his like around the green game can sometimes be really garbage. Yeah, and, and I worry that that may crush him. Uh, but I also have seen him excel. Like he he was an amateur last year at the U.S. Open, the one Gary Woodland won, and had the am, low am round of the day and was basically going for low round at the whole tournament, like stepped in, was incredibly comfortable, willing to challenge pins. Um, so he's interesting to me, but yeah, that, 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 uh, that around the green game does cause me to pause just a slight bit. Um, Matthew Fitzpatrick, I feel like is somebody that I never get to. And I always, feel like his putting carries him so much in a tournament like this that shouldn't do it. But I feel like he's going to be somebody that we're going to be sitting there on Sunday and he's going to be flirting with a top 10 or maybe even a top five. And I'm just going to be like, why didn't I play him? Like everything said, play him. 
Same uh, with Fitzpatrick. He's kind of like a, like a Chesson Hadley to me. I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> obviously, obviously a much better version of Chesson Hadley, but um, yeah. just a guy that I, I never seem to line up with. Um, but he's, he, then he ends up, like you said, finishing like he's at top 10 in contention or something. But um, no, I'll probably stay away again. I'd rather have Harrison English uh, just because I, again, I look at the ball striking and I'm like, English has been one of the best in the game this year. Um, just really sharp tee to green all season. And the results have been there as well. So uh, just to mention, he's uh, he's four, Harris English, that is, four four in his U.S. Open cuts made. Um, nothing, no real high places. But, um, yeah, I'd rather have Harris English than I think him. But he's a 79. I think where I'm really more, I think where I really want to get to is, is where the, everything's going to be built in this, 9k range kyle okay and, um do you do you have anything you like to mention before like tiger or uh yeah well, i'm not i'm not i'm not playing tiger let me ask you this who who has who has more ownership this week tiger jordan spieth or uh, ricky fowler uh it's gotta be i think it's gotta be tiger just because of these these are majors is when more people play more cat so I, I would say tiger but i think it's between him and probably probably ricky i mean i think for for our purposes, it's is it any? <laughs> uh, Fowl- Fowler would be the clear favorite of the three, and I still don't know if I can get there. Yeah, you you love Ricky. I do. I have a, an unhealthy obsession with Ricky, but um, he just he hasn't been good since he like what 2015. Like he's been <laughs> there, but like I don't know. I don't I don't ever feel like he's in that. Uh, I don't feel like he's in the the odds where like his betting odds are, where like kind of his popularity puts him, and um, so that kind of always diminishes him a little bit. But yeah, I, I can't get there. Let's talk this low nine k range because, uh, as you mentioned, there's a lot to like here. Um, where where where's your where's your initial focus taking you? Uh, where where do you think it is, Kyle? <laughs> uh, Tony Finau. <laughs> Tony Finau, number Dude. one with a bullet. <laughs> okay, we, we talked about this probably right after the restart. Uh, yeah. Tony Finau, Ricky Fowler, and Jordan Spieth, I believe, was the debate. Yes. Uh, we, I, I don't know why, but I feel like that debate may be over come Sunday when Tony Finau is host, hoisting the U.S. Open uh, Championship. A- absolutely, and that's why I love this range because I, I feel like these guys have not the same, but it's it's similar, right? It's it's not mm-hmm. like it's a uh, you know you got Rom is ten to one, Justin Dustin Johnson nineteen to two. I mean, but if you're still if you're in this thirty five, I think I think this is the range. Finau's in like thirty thirty five to one, um, Matsuyama, Fleetwood, of course. Yeah, every look everything's starting with Tommy and Tony. That's for sure. Um, and then I, I was, I was looking at this group and I said, who, and I wanted to ask you this question too, because I don't know if I had a clear answer and it might not be even in this group, your answer, but who do you have the biggest FOMO with this week between Decky, Berger, Simpson, and Cantlay, or maybe even like Fino, include Fino in that too. Uh, okay, so Webb is probably the guy for me. Cantley's okay. um, a guy I never get on board with, and whenever I do, it goes horribly, horribly wrong, so I'm happy missing out on that. 
Finau would be a close second, but Webb, I feel like, has been so good since the restart. Mm -hmm. Um, I know he's not the traditional bomber that some people want to, like, you know, paint him into and uh, doesn't, you know, but he just does so much so well. When he's on, he's hitting fairway, he's putting the ball close, he's putting well. Um, if, if we're if we're looking at the leaderboard on Sunday and Webb's within a shot, you know, a finishes in the top three or four, like I I wouldn't I wouldn't be su- surprised in the slightest. Yeah, and that's why I, I like I like this range because I feel like all these guys can win. Um, right. It's not going to surprise anyone and. I think I came back to, as far as that group I mentioned, I found myself not being able to set a lineup without Decky. Um, he's just yeah. red. He's been red hot finishing the playoffs. His U.S. Open track record is rock solid. Six of seven in cuts made. Five of those finishes have been T21 or higher. So I just think, and, and again, like similar kind of like Webb, their ball striking is so good. They're just built for these courses. They're built for these types of events. And uh, I I found myself picking between those two. Decky at 9K, just uh, he kept getting put in there. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, and for a good reason, based upon my simulator or my, uh, my uh, whatchamacallit, my, uh, my little fantasy national setup, uh, second in strokes gain total, eighth in tee to green, second in strokes gain, uh, fourth around the green putts really well on Poa. Um, he could absolutely win this. He's another guy in that kind of Cantlay, Webb Simpson bucket that has the ability to go out and win, should be fine, but have definitely, uh, we've gone toe-to-toe. And when I've used them, it doesn't go well. If when I don't use them, uh, they tend to do amazing. So um, I, I, I wouldn't fault anyone who goes there. All right, Kyle. You know where I kind of sit on the five-figure guys. It's just not my thing. Yep. Um, for DK purposes, I think uh, for straight betting purposes, I can see where like a Bryson at you know thirty to one or whatever he is, I think is a pretty solid. But yep. um, what 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 are you doing? Do you, I guess if I had to play one, it'd probably be it'd probably be Justin Thomas. Um, if I if I had to play one, number one in strokes gains approached. Um, always solid with ball striking, 45th ranked on the season last year. So that probably my pick, but uh, I could be talking to any one of them. I have, I have no reason to certainly dislike any one of them. Uh, Justin Thomas, I feel like, I don't know. I, I always I always feel like I have an understanding of ownership percentages and then people do weird stuff that I don't expect. Um, but I feel like Justin Thomas of that group might go a little under-owned this week. Uh, Rory's obviously a guy that can do well uh, and dominate tournaments, but I feel like he he usually wins stuff where the the score is a lot lower. When you have to grind out wins, I don't know that I love him in that contest. Uh, if I had to pick one, it would be John Rom. Mm-hmm. I just feel I feel like he has the same upside as as DJ and as Rory and JT, and I feel like his his floor is a lot higher, especially when it compares to DJ or Rory. Like Rory, uh, you know, I could see going eight over, eight over, and out of the tournament. I could see DJ doing the same thing. Um, between it would be between JT and Rom. Uh, Bryson. Uh, Bryson is a guy that I've already bet uh, twenty-five <laughs> uh, because, of course, uh, 
Um, I want to play him. I really, really do. Um, I get a little worried about Bryson. Yeah, yeah. He's he and he's talking about hitting bombs like he's Phil, and uh, I feel like he's either gonna go twenty under or twenty over. There's no in between. <laughs> um, and I and I think if I'm if I'm in a GPP and I'm shooting for the moon, I'll I'll t- I'll, I'll put Bryson in a lineup or two and see what happens. Uh, but if I want somebody who's more reliable, maybe a similar-ish upside uh, with a lot higher floor, Colin Morikawa and Webb Simpson are those two names, and they're either 100 up or 200 down, uh, and so bright in that range. And maybe Bryson will be somebody that a lot of people overlook because of that mentality, and maybe if he wins is the reason why you could potentially take down a Millie Maker. Uh but yeah, that that range I think is going to be a big deciding factor on who wins some of these big tournaments. I just don't know if I can make Bryson one of it for me. Yeah, I agree with you on the range. I think usually the highest ownership is going to come out of this like high eight to probably to high nine k range. All these guys, you know, Webb, the guys we talk that we like the most, like Finau, Berger. I, I would I would bet that those guys between. The, that group is going to be that highest owned probably around somewhere near 30 percent yep yep uh, uh what can call more cow win back-to-back majors no 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 he's no chance. he's he's good i obviously love the guy super talented i have no doubt he'll win multiple majors but if he well you know you know what i said before i said i i, I gotta stop doubting that's what i said before the pga i was like i should just stop doubting this guy and now i'm yeah. saying i'm down again so he can't do it so what is what does he do well he, he's good off the tee. He keeps it in the fairway. He's got an inc- incredible approach game. Like he, yeah. His, his, had he not won the players, would you be more interested in him? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I, 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 think, I, I think I'm 100% with you, but like that's, that is kind of crazy to think about. No, that, well, and, it, and again, it's not like we almost need, maybe need to stop thinking about it, but there is logic to it, right? The odds sure. of winning back-to-back majors for anybody is like astronomical. So, to to see that someone like Kyle Morikawa, who's literally in like his second season, mm-hmm. uh, pull it off and just be uh, it'd be pretty rare. But I guess I gotta stop being surprised. And I, right. also, maybe we should stop being surprised with all these guys. Like you know, JT did this. Like Jordan Spieth did this at one point. Like yeah. there's these guys that just go on these inexplicable tears, and it's almost like they're so young they don't even know it, how. They're not really – they don't get eaten up by the moment because they're just, yep. like, kind of riding. Yeah. No, and Colin Morikawa played in the U.S. Open last year as an amateur. Um, and we also have to think about this year being incredibly unique in terms of timing. Like, the these yeah. – the, the, in, in reality, we're looking at a guy who's trying to win a major in back-to-back seasons, not necessarily a back-to-back major, although it happens to work out like that because right. of the scheduling. And if you thought, okay, could Colin Morikawa win a major in two different seasons? Uh, the absolute answer is yes. Like, that could yes. happen easily. Um, so if you think about it that way, you might be able to get there. I, I like Morikawa a lot. Uh, I think him and Bryson, like, if I want to be a little more aggressive other spots, I'll go Morikawa. If I feel great about my other spots, I'll go Bryson. Uh, but I feel like those two guys will, will be kind of the – the kind of bounce back and forth with with John Rom or those two guys being my top guys and then kind of working my way down from there. Yeah, um, 
if you want to uh, really to overthink it, um, and you want just another factor, maybe there's certain guys, and maybe Morikawa is one of them, that just are a little more comfortable without fans. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I mean, he's there. He's the one probably more used to playing events without fans than most of these guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the, the younger guys that do the big college tournaments or uh, the smaller tournaments that have little to no fanfare. Uh, you know, obviously Morikawa proved that he could win without fans, so that doesn't bother him. Uh, you know, it's it is interesting too because if you are so used to going to your high pressure job or your high pressure whatever and having a certain setup and a certain surrounding, and then if you step into that environment and it's different, it kind of throws you off and you have to adjust. So guys like DJ and like Rory and like even Rom to a lesser extent are used to playing these big majors with these intense crowds and 18th green, all these people backed up around there where Morikawa has played it a little bit like that, but it's, it's very different. He's much more comfortable in, Oh, there's a handful of people and we'll see what happens. And like, it, it could be a scenario where it's not that different to him, where some of these other guys obviously playing the, playing the, the, the few tournaments we've seen already has kind of adjusted things a little bit, but um, it, it is different, and I think that mentality might play into Morikawa's favor. Yeah, and all those uh, all those hot corn fairy tour takes I just had earlier. I mean, those those guys are going to pop for sure because of that. Um, and I, I will say, uh, Tiger and Rory are on record saying that they miss the fans, and those are guys that that feed off the fans. So, yep. um, yeah, just something else to put in your head and overthink stuff with. Which is funny to me, but for anybody who's uh, kind of ventured into tournaments and, like, tried to get a picture or an autograph from a couple of those guys, they're not exactly the most outgoing, fan-friendly, creating contact thing. It's it's almost like their sponsors are like, you know, you should be saying these things and how much you miss the fans so they keep buying their gear. Um, but that's just, uh, that's just where my head goes. Wow. Wow. Conspiracy. All conspiracy. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, one guy, Kyle. I, before I reveal, um, before I reveal my winning lineup, I'm the guy, the guy we kind of gloss over. I just want to mention really quick because um, we talked about him in the past for majors and how we kind of made the take that this guy just takes majors differently, and it's Justin Rose. Uh, and he just treats them differently maybe than other regular tournaments. And I wanted to give you this track record and see if it alters anything for you on him this week. And he said that I think 8400 So really good price. He is, um made the cut in six of his last nine U.S. Opens. All the finishes have been inside the top 33 from top 10s. He won in 2013 um, at the U.S. Open. Now... Added on to that, in all majors that he's played in since 2010, he's had 37 starts. He's made the cut in 29 of those. Very good percentage there. Even better, in those 29 finishes, 24 have been T25 or better. So if this guy just makes a cut, he's almost like a lock for a top 25 or better. So, um... The guy just has a great track record, and I think his price uh, speaks for itself as far as the value goes. It's Justin Rose. I know you've had some, you've had some issues with Justin. Um, are you willing to go back and forget? Just when I thought I was out, Bobby. 
You pulled me back in. Um, I didn't. I don't want to go there. I, I don't. But the numbers say that you should go there. The numbers, looking at strokes gain total, 8. Uh, 12th in tee to green, 23rd in ball striking, 13th off the tee, 28th strokes, strokes gain, uh, 34th in approach. This is a guy who is comfortable in these tournaments, has played well in big tournaments. Uh, I will play him just so everybody else can play him and have him go off. Uh, but <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, no, I, I can't. I, I tried to get back in on him a couple times, and every time I did, he just blew up. And I was like, oh, look, he hit, you know, his irons are much better, and he's, he's head, trending in the right direction. Let me jump back on. Justin Rose is an elite player who can win big tournaments. Oh, no, he's a, he's a combusting again. I'm, I'm, I, I can't go there. I just, I won't do it. I understand. You know, we all have to take the journey on our own. Um, so, but, like, I think, like, like I was talking about maybe, um, like Westwood or Stenson, like when you're shopping down that range, that's like low sevens. I think I just tend to like gravitate more towards the guys that have the good track records in these events, as opposed yep. to like maybe like a, a Siwoo Kim who's at the same prices like Stenson. <laughs> um, or even yeah, like Cameron, 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 Cameron Champ is 7,300. I just yeah. look at him and go, I don't know that I'm really ready to do that. Cam Champ has a player that's be- evolved into a, a much more consistent, much more reliable player. So I wouldn't fault anyone who went there, especially because he's a bomber. Uh, mm-hmm. Siwoo si is the guy that any given tournament could go 20 under or 20 over. So this will feel like just another day at the course for him. So uh, <laughs> can't can't putt. Uh, so perfect. No one else can putt. So watch Siwoo go out and win this thing. Yeah, no, I, I know. And also, like... <laughs> Like, uh, like you know, other guys in that range that we talked, we didn't really talk about a ton, but like Alex Norin, I, I'd rather have Stenson than him. I just, I don't but know if I'm ready Norin's to take a chance. Boy. Norin's he your is, boy. He's and my boy in the Travelers Championship. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's the guy that he's the guy that I I always talk about as perfect for this kind of tournament that's a low scoring, grinded out, and not a twenty under birdie fest probably accurate it's probably a good point well he probably see well then i just pick him on the wrong weeks what can i what can yeah. i tell you oh um, hey, he's your justin rose hey at one one more before we hit hit the bed or hit all our uh, lineups and stuff yeah. adam scott or tommy elitewood um fleetwood but it's close and also that's just a pure bias on my part <laughs> i'm not i'm not even gonna say i have like some like specific reason for it it's just yeah. um i'm when the fleetwood party uh, happens, I'm going to be there front yeah. and center to celebrate. So, yep. No, Adam Scott and uh, I, we didn't mention this guy because there's so many interesting people, but Patrick Reed is another guy that I'm always interested in, in taking some stabs at. Yeah, just to be look, just to be different, you should put Reed and Bryson in the lineup together because everyone hates their guts and probably just try it. to stay with I love and it. Then, I've, I've done that so many times and uh, <laughs> I'm ready to do it again. Yeah. Um, Kyle, do you want to hear it? Do you want to hear this line? Lay it on me. I'm ready for it. And this is, we, we talked about kind of the, the last piece to it earlier, but um, I'll go through the first five guys. Tony Fina, Tommy Fleetwood, Terrell Hatton, Hideki Matsuyama, Justin Rose, Connor Simon. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go, I mean, like that. that Good right luck, there. my friend. Uh <laughs> You had me for like 80% of it, and then, yeah, nah, I'm... Connor... The the Connor-Fleetwood combo, 
Um, I would probably look to pivot elsewhere, but I like I like I like a lot of what you put together there. Even with my with my rival Justin Rose sitting in there, right front and center. All right. Uh, what what about you? Uh, John Rom, Tony Finau, Brant Snedeker, Tyrrell Hatton, <laughs> Jason Kokrak, and laying it on the table, big dick. Vic, Victor Hovland. Let's go. That is a million dollars waiting to happen. Victor Hovland. He is, he is amazing. Tita Green. Uh, I have to say, uh, he he will be tempting. I'm surprised neither of us said Burger in one of those. But Burger Burger is incredibly compelling. Like I said, I I, I like him. Um, and looking at his kind of outright numbers in the 25 to, if you can get like above, you can get 25 or better. I think I would definitely take a shot on it. Okay, I he'll be in some lineup for me. I know he will, but um, maybe not my Connor Sign lineup. You know, no, no, you wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want to intertwine those two. <laughs> uh, well, look, I think we, I think we did it. I well, we did it. We definitely did it. I think we did it. I think we're both future uh, millionaires, or if not, very, uh, very financially well off after this U.S. Open. Is there anything you would like to uh, add or plug before we get out of here? Uh, just check out the Angle of Pursuit podcast on YouTube, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on iTunes. If you uh, are a fantasy football, we talk fantasy football and sports betting uh, three times a week. We do a Sunday morning live stream if you want to get your fantasy football questions answered. Uh, we also talk uh, each and every NASCAR race with betting odds and betting preview for that. Uh, all of that can be found on a YouTube page. Uh, at FPAOP on Twitter has links to everything. Uh, check us out, and Bobby, thanks once again for having me and uh, talking some September golf. How is your setup going to be on Sunday when we're looking at NFL full slate? We're talking uh, September golf and potentially NBA or NHL or both. Now that you mentioned that, uh, my head about exploded because um, I don't know the answer, and I'm going to start immediately after we get off here start figuring that out because I have <laughs> I need to have. I kind of this all snuck up on us, Kyle. Like, yeah. you got a you got a game seven tonight in the NBA. In the um, NHL. Yeah, and the, like this is all coming together, and obviously there's still some tough times going on as well. But in in a weird way, in the sports world, this could be like some major kick-ass fall. Mm-hmm. This is honestly like. I, 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 you know, everybody's dealing with a lot of stuff right now, and I don't want to, you know, marginalize it, but for what uh, the quarantine that I've been under, if I get to go through the next three months of full slates of football, Masters, US Open, NBA, NHL, you know, I have my man cave set up. I have four TVs. I have three computers. Like, I, I am ready. This is what I was, this is what I've been prepping for, Bobby. And <laughs> Sunday is going to be my, like, Super Bowl, and I'm so ready for it. Wow. Maybe you should just, um, maybe uh, we'll do like a zoom and I can just watch your yeah. man cave. I'll just live stream it. And then anybody <laughs> can watch all the TVs from behind me. It'll, it'll, uh, it, then, then, then you won't miss a single second of the action. Oh, I'm envious of the setup already. Okay. Oh, I got, I, I got to figure something out. I got to figure best. something out. Yeah. Well, it's, it's Tuesday. So get your, get your, get your setup ready in time for Sunday. Cause, and, and we have Sunday on NBC so we have to. I, I'm I'm worried that we may have 
a playoff on the Golf Channel or USA or some nonsense. While because we got Pat- Patriots and Seahawks, that's not getting bumped. Uh, you know, obviously it's, it was normally on Fox. Fox said, "No, we'll we'll do NFL instead." Like there's there's a lot in play. So get your lineups together, get your bets together, and get your setup together, uh, so that way we can enjoy enjoy four days of uh, incredible golf. Looking forward to it as always, my friend. I'm sure we will uh, do it again soon. Absolutely. Talk to you later. Connor, Syme, heard it here first. It's my Ventura pick of the week. Don't be afraid. Well, maybe a little afraid. <laughs> him and one of those, well, one of one of him or one of the Corn Fairy guys, they're going to make a cut. Someone is. Um, but yeah, that is the U.S. Open on DraftKings. Kyle coming in, did a great job as always pointed out uh, me uh, contradicting my own logic in some cases. That was that was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. I'll get him back for it. It's okay. Uh, and um, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Great week. NFL week two. Golf major. And uh, just a lot of good fun. So, um, look, thank you for listening and good luck to you out here. Make sure you're following uh, Kyle at Notorious KRO. You can follow me at Real Bobby Adcock, not the fake one, on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And uh, at SportsPod Hookup on Twitter and the gram for this podcast. And check out Fake Pigskin. A lot of content on there. Uh, Kyle does his waiver picks, all kinds of just, just a. Something for everyone on there. Um, good platform. A lot of good people contributing. So go check it out. I, uh, I encourage you to. And we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.